He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? We want to ask the Holy Ghost to do it again. Please lift up your hands in surrender to Him. Holy Ghost, do it again. that was sent from above. You are our strengthener, our guide, our teacher, our counselor, and our standby. You are also the anointing. You know every life represented here, and you know every heart represented here. You know every need and every cry. And this evening, Holy Spirit, I lift up every life represented here before you. And I say, Holy Spirit, let the finger of God touch that area and that spot. And let it transform lives genuinely, O oh God, till eternity. 
I commit these lips of clay and this vessel into your hands. Anything that will be a hindrance to the movement of your spirit, let it be set aside. And let the power of the Holy Ghost flow through this vessel. And let your people not be the same. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, please do it again. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. In the book of Genesis 3, verse 15, God cursed the serpent and said, And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, if you could turn with me to Revelations 12, verse 4. Revelations 12, verse 4. It's talking about the dragon, the serpent, and it says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. I want you to note verse 4. The dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. I believe that God gives us as women many seeds seeds of ministry seeds to change lives seeds of productivity but every time the devil will stand nearby just for the child to be born so that he can devour it we can see it in the life of moses before moses was born the devil anticipated that if this man was born he would cause confusion so he made the pharaoh of that time give an edict or a law that all male children were to be killed at birth. And the same thing is reenacted in Revelations. But the midwives, God used the midwives to preserve the male Jewish children or Hebrew children. And Moses was kept. And then again, Moses had to be preserved on a river in a basket. But God's hand was upon Moses and the seed of the woman was preserved. In the same way, when Jesus Christ was to be born, Satan stirred up a whole lot of controversy and said to Joseph, you know, just put her away privately because she has been unfaithful to you. And when that did not work, Herod heard about the birth of Jesus and figured out that he must be around two years now. So he said that every male child who was two years and below was to be killed. Beloved, everything that God has put in you to bring forth fruit, to be productive, is under attack from the enemy. Because the Bible has said in the book of Genesis that I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed and your seed. There are many seeds and women nurture many things. But many things come to abort the seed of God in us. But thank God that the devil was the one being punished that they'll put enmity between he and the woman. And the woman's seed will bruise his head and he will bruise a woman's seed seal. So we have the upper hand. Amen. And even though as women we suffer many things, we are also victorious through Christ Jesus. And in the book of Revelations, God snatched the child to his throne. 
God will do anything to snatch you to the throne so that that seed that is intended will come forth. Amen. Amen. Now, many people say also that uh, women are their own enemies. Um, we have some biblical examples of like Hannah and Penina and Rachel and Leah who were even biological sisters. The enmity between them was no small thing. But we also have good examples like Ruth and Naomi and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I believe that women can have good relationships that will nurture the gift of God in them, where we can comfort each other, amen, and sharpen each other and become all the things that God wants us to be. I want you to know that because God is on your side, you can make it. Amen. I want to talk to you about quench your thirst. Quench your thirst. It's a very popular story. In fact, it has been alluded to many times as people have stood here to talk during this convention. We want to turn to John chapter 4. Quench your thirst. John chapter 4, verse 4. Reading from verse 3. It's quite a lengthy passage, so I would go quickly. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sichar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Are we there? I can still hear pages turning. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. 
The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Amen. And then verse 28, 27, at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, know that she said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Amen. Amen. This story is a very popular story. Songs have been made out of it. And all sorts of sermons have come from this particular story. Now Jesus, the Bible says, needed to go to Samaria. Samaria was a place, or Samaritans were people who were not regarded by the Jews. The Jews and the Samaritans had a common lineage. You know, after Solomon, the kingdom split into two. And the kingdom of David became the Jewish kingdom. And the other kingdom by Jeroboam became the kingdom of the Samaritans. Now the Samaritans decided that they could not come over to Jerusalem to worship. So they would just make a golden calf in Samaria and worship it from there. And so they mixed Judaism with idolatry. And therefore they were not regarded at all by the Jews. In fact, if you wanted to go to Galilee, the shorter route was to go through Samaria. But most Jews will make a detour instead of going into Samaria. Samaria was forbidden territory. And the Samaritans and the Jews were like water and oil. They did not mix. And um, you know, in the Bible of the Good Samaritan, it was a Jew who fell, fell among robbers. And they were trying to say that the Samaritan overcame all his inhibitions and helped the Jew. That's why we have the story of the Good Samaritan. So all these barriers were there. And also, there was also a gender barrier where it said that if you were a woman, you were not regarded. You see, the rabbis said that it was better to burn the laws than to expose them publicly to a woman. A woman was not even fitting or fit to be taught the word of God. And even though that era was very strict, the world has gone through that in many ways. Um, we learned in law that some years ago, a man would count his possessions and add a wife or two wives. You would say, I have a camel, a sheep, a horse, and a wife. It was part of your property and part of the things you own. And I believe that was the same thinking that ran through even polygamy. You see, so that if you have two camels, you can have two wives or five wives, you just add them and it goes on. And the story, unfortunately, has not changed much in our modern world. It has changed to some extent, but it has not changed much. When a woman, even in the church, becomes born again, and she has a very funny history, she's looked upon with four eyes. When it's a man, it's okay. When the sight of God, sin is sin. Amen. 
and God does not make a difference between men and women, but society does. Many times when people die and they do not make a will, it's the woman who suffers. And when we have widowhood rights, is the woman in the Akan version, I know in Ashanti, she's given a very short stool to sit on. She's not allowed to eat, and sometimes they have to hide to eat big, big morsels of fufu. And yet when the man's wife dies, the man will not be subjected to such discrimination. It will be said, oh, his wife has died, that's all. But a woman would go through other things. One of my aunties married a guy. They said um, at dawn, they have to take her to Inshona to bath her so that she'll be purified from her husband. On the night that the husband was buried, she had to sleep in the room where the corpse had been laid so that she would fellowship with the dead or whatever. And we have no such thing when it's a man whose wife dies. And so the discrimination still continues in many forms and fashion. Sometimes a woman would toil with the husband when the husband is nothing. But the mistake women do, incidentally, I once even went for um, a seminar on that. They were saying that we should try and, and give women some more rights as the Constitution of Ghana says. And then we, they brought out cases and real life stories. They were saying that many women toil so much they join their husbands when they are nothing. They want the husbands to become very successful. They decide that they need a wife to go with their success. Amen. That the one they started with is, does not look successful enough. So they need a new wife to continue the rest of the journey. So the wife, her toil and all would just be set aside. In fact, a couple of days ago, I was talking to a lady who worked abroad just to see her husband through school. And today, her husband is driving her out of the house as if she's not even a human being. And as they went to court, the judge is trying to say that she, the woman, should live in the boys' quarters, although the man has other houses. So I was saying to her, you should get the feeder people to really appeal, make an appeal on your behalf. So the discrimination goes on and on. In the church world, I have been to certain places where I have preached, and the person, a male got out of the church and sat on the veranda because he said he does not listen to women preachers. But you know, the Bible says that there were children, Philip's children, who were daughters, they prophesied in the book of Acts. And Priscilla is mentioned as having ministered with, his, with her husband Aquila to bring Apollos to true doctrine. And yet this person sat on the veranda. But what baffled my mind was that my voice was still reaching him at the veranda. So a woman was still preaching to him in spite of all this. Amen. Sometimes women are financially disadvantaged and um, women are the ones who are abandoned. We are the ones who become single parents. Whenever there's a child and then somebody doesn't want to look after the child, invariably it is the woman who will become the single parent and look after the child through thick and thin. Sometimes the men will even deny it or not show their faces at the outdooring at all. But when the child becomes somebody, then they know the child and they would like to be a part of the child's glory. Many times a woman will get married and maybe there are no children and then they say that it's the woman and not the man. It is just assumed. But Bishop tells me that medically it is 40% a woman, 40% a man and 20% both. 
But our society is such that sometimes your father will even call you aside and say, eh, we hear it. it seems she has a problem. Meanwhile, it is not the year, it is the husband. And so we battle with all these things as women. When a man is not married, he's not under pressure. When a woman is not married, she's treated as if she's a, a, a good, something on, on the shelf with a sell-by date, as if she has an expiry date. And if by that date she has not been picked off the shelf, then she is worthless. But Jesus came to lift us up beyond all these limitations and to lift us up beyond all this discrimination. And these things are real. Amen. When I was working, I saw that even though we see ourselves as liberated women because now maybe women can get educated, they can go into high professions, you still feel the discrimination in the workplace. Because you are the one who will come and ask for maternity leave. The man does not go on maternity leave, amen? He is always there. And when you come and ask, your boss will say, why, are you already due? And then make his face and sign for you. And then you, the same woman, you have the baby, and you resume work. Then you come again. You say, boss, my child has malaria today. And they look at you with some eyes, that you are not professionally sound, and you are professionally not serious. But when the man's child is sick, he will go to work all right, amen? And things will be normal. But Jesus Christ looks beyond all these things, amen? Thank God that we have a Savior who lifts us up above all these things. Hallelujah. So Jesus went to Samaria in spite of all the discrimination against women. And he went to Samaria against the customs of the time. And he went to Samaria to meet a need. The Bible says that he needed to go to Samaria. Now, if you heard that Jesus Christ needed to meet you, you will not believe it. You say, if anything, I need to meet him. But not he needs to meet me. But beloved, this evening I want you to know that you are God's need. Amen. And God will do anything to schedule that appointment. Many times we go to greater people and we wait at the reception for the people to receive us. Amen. But in this woman's case, Jesus came and waited for her at the well. Jesus came and sat at the well to wait for her, that we may know the love of Christ. Many times when you have to go to a man, a great man, you have to fill a form. Uh, reason for visit. Most of the time we write personal in Ghana. We visit people in their offices a lot. So we say personal. And then they say, wait, he's in a meeting. Or wait, he's on the line. And wait, he's a but with God. He says, let us come to the throne room of mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God will cross all protocol to treat you as his need. Amen. And many times, the reason why we cannot live a life of trust and peace is because we do not think we are that precious in the sight of God. There have been times when I've prayed and I've said, ah, now I am praying. Maybe a billion people are also praying. So who will God listen to? But thank God that he's not man. And he doesn't need us. Uh, he doesn't have limited resources to meet our needs. He says that I have loved you with an everlasting love. So that you may know the love of God. The love of God is better than any human love. Human love has its limitations. Human love has a place where it cannot go further. Amen. But the love of God is real. But many times in the church, it has sounded like a fairy tale or something far away. But I have prayed that prayer, and I believe God has opened my eyes more and more 
that I may know the love of God. You are the need of Jesus this evening. He needs to meet you in Samaria. He needs to meet you at that place where nobody would like to meet you at. He needs to meet you at that place where he can meet your need. Your need may be peculiar. You think, oh, all these people are all right. As for me, this is the need I have. It doesn't matter the bigness of your need. Jesus will meet you and schedule an itinerary to meet you. He will not delegate your life to his disciples. That is why he came personally into your life. He did not send the disciples, go and wait by the well. Some woman from Samaria will be coming. The Bible says he was tired and hungry, but he sat by the well himself to wait for the woman. Amen. Jesus does not delegate your affairs to even human beings. He takes personal charge of the things that concern you. Amen. Bible says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares about you. Whether you believe it or not, it is true that he cares about you. And that is why he delegated the buying of the food to the disciples. But your personal life, he does not delegate it. And that is why he comes personally into our lives to make a difference. Amen. He could have sent the spirit of St. Peter into you or the spirit of St. James. But he came personally to make his home in our lives. Amen. Amen. He will allow himself to be inconvenienced to meet your need. He was tired. He was hungry. That's why he had sent for food. But he was not inconvenienced to listen to the cry of the Samaria woman and to meet her at the point of her need. Many times we feel that God's ears are deaf. And I believe that that's why God wrote that verse that my, my ears are not deaf that I cannot hear you. It's not true. My arms are not short that I cannot reach out to help you. Many times in the time of suffering or deep distress, we forget about God, that he is there. But God will cross every limitation and every barrier just to reach you at the point of your need. Amen. When you say that something is a need, it is different from when something is a want. You know, when I was growing up, my father used to tell me, I will not give you what you need, what you want. I will give you what you need. You don't have to grow up as a spoiled child. He always used to say that. There are certain things that become needs. Once I was traveling with my mother on STC from Accra to Takrade, and I had eaten something I didn't know, you know, the night before, so I had an upset stomach. And so even though the bus was going to Takrade, we had to tell the driver to please stop at Mankesim because there was a need. Amen. <laughs> and so sometimes the needs that Jesus meets is like that. His schedule may be somewhere else, but he needs to get down at that place. And so I went out there and it was a very strange place. So I just walked into any loo there and there were strange people. Some man was knocking, who is there, you know? So in the end, I came to the bus and walked meekly and nicely to the back to sit by my mother. As soon as I sat down, my mother said, oh, don't look so meek because the driver took the mic and said, have you seen the lady sitting here? She had an upset stomach, so that is why we stopped here. In fact, I was very bored, but there was nothing I could do. <laughs> but Jesus will stop and interrupt his schedule to meet our need. Amen. Amen. And there she came, this woman. She was popular with the men, but unpopular with the women. That is why she came fetching the water alone. She didn't have any friends, and she came at a very untoward hour to go and get water for herself. 
she, was, she must have been a very seductive or attractive lady to go through five men. Five. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. And it must be that she didn't give up on the institution of marriage. She gave up on the human beings that she had married. But she did not give up on the institution itself. That's why she kept trying and trying and trying again to marry five times. She may have had a spirit of discontentment. Maybe she married Harry and she thought that Harry, you know, he's just romantic, but he doesn't bring money home. You know, somebody was telling me, this is my husband, he annoys me so much. When I'm sitting with him, that he will be killing mosquitoes on my arm and instead of bringing money home. You see, this is not what we want. So she probably married somebody like that who just stayed home killing mosquitoes on her body instead of going and bringing progress into the house. So she decided that if that was the case, then she would look for Kojo, you know. And Kojo was an achiever, but Kojo had no time for her. So she decided that she would change and on and on and on and on. And these are the things that lead us to discontentment because we compare with each other. The Bible says, and they that compare themselves with themselves are not wise. Sometimes you've been married for just three years and you want the profit of a six-year marriage. Or you've been married for six years, you want the profit of a 12-year marriage. Or you've been married for a 20-year marriage. It is not like that. Amen. I've heard my husband say often that when I married him, when I got into a relationship with him, he looked like a Palestinian. To me, he didn't look like a Palestinian. <laughs> he was my knight in shining armor. Amen. But my mother used to ask me, so what do you see? You know? So that should tell you that I took the eye of faith. But for me, it was not faith. You know, I could just see great things. But my mother used to ask me, so all these people, this is the only person, what do you see? You see? And... Um, he would always wear t-shirts and jeans and I would tell him, you see, when you travel, it's true that you buy tapes and books, but try and buy some formal shirts as well. And there were times when I personally intervened on my own travels to buy him a few shirts. So in fact, these days when he sports, I tell him, hey, is that you? <laughs> but things did not begin that way, amen. So be patient with yourself and give yourself time. You know these men, if you don't look after them, they can wear faded things and things like that. So you have to look extra, but it's going to be well. Amen. And so this woman walked in discontentment, comparing herself with others. And therefore, it did not work for her. Many times, we have a root that leads us to wrong relationships. This woman perhaps was a rejected woman. Sometimes it is because a woman does not find a father's love. She looks for love in other male figures. I have been around a couple of times, you know, with daughter you can make it. And sometimes the ladies have come at the end to say certain things to me. One girl said that, one girl in one of our foreign branches said that, even though she's married, she is so attracted to women that it is a demonic stronghold over her life. Not at the time I was talking to her, she was married all right. But because of what she started, she said in secondary school, nothing had taken a stronghold on her. And, and so, I mean, she had a problem because she's a woman. If she goes somewhere, she baths with women, and it's a problem for her. So how does she overcome such a thing? 
you know. So even though she was married, she still had this hang on from the past. And I believe that many times the devil comes in with abuse from a very tender age so that we will become useless and become nothing. You see, he wants to gain a foothold so that he will get a stronghold. Some of us have also messed up because at a very young age we were sexually abused. And then you end up being very promiscuous. You are not able to restrain yourself or some of your appetites. And even though you become a Christian, you struggle with that same thing. Sometimes it is father figures. The last um, convention I went for, the lady I spoke to said her uncle started to handle her in a wrong way. And since then, whenever she sees a male, it's a problem. You see, and um, so I talked to her a bit about generational cases. I also told her that since you know this, the Bible says, let each man know how to possess his own vessel. Somebody's temptation is in another area. Your temptation is in this area. So when sisters are coming and hugging brothers, are you there? You know your own. So it's, oh, hello, brother. You don't worry yourself too much. Amen. You walk the way you ought to walk. Sometimes it is the lack of love in the home that drives a woman to relationships that she should not be involved in. Sometimes it is the love of money, different things. And sometimes we keep these secrets for so long and harbor the resentment and the pain for so long. We are not used to normal relationships. We are not used to relationships where people love you for just what you are. So you always feel that you have to do something to buy love, to buy people's love. Because all that you knew was that you were loved only when you were good. Or you were loved only when you did something right. So this woman had a basic inherent problem. And that is what had led her through five husbands. Eventually she decided that maybe marriage was not good for her. So she will live with a man who is not her husband. So that she will have um, a foretaste of whether she likes him or not. You see, she will test the waters. And many of us here go on testing waters. Jesus says that you should have nothing to do with a man unless you are married to him. But we always feel that, oh, maybe God did not really understand, you see, because he sits in heaven, he cannot relate to our struggles here. But he can. And everything that God says is to make our lives better and more comfortable for us. Amen. And I know that in the church, there are many, many ladies who generally live with men or have almost like a marital relationship with a man. That thing will only break you and leave the devil to have a foothold on your life. It's time to surrender and say yes to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, these things led her to wrong relationships and led her to mess up her life. And because she messed up her life, she could not lead a normal life. When the women were going to fetch water, you know women usually do these activities together, but she would stay behind because... Everybody knew about her, and it was a small village, so you can imagine how the news had spread about her. In fact, even the married women were wary of her, because five husbands, and the sixth one was just a relationship. In America today, they have prenuptial contracts. That is, before we marry, we sit down, and we have a contract that if the marriage doesn't work, you will take the fridge, I will take the radio, we will do this. Before we marry, we contemplate the things that are going to happen. But no matter what man does, man's idea is never the best. But God's idea is always the best. Amen. 
So this woman went to the well. Jesus was sitting there waiting for her. And she came across with a lot of religiosity. You see, many times we hear the voice of God in the ordinary course of life. When you are doing the ordinary things of life. So we need to be sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God will drop something into your spirit when you are stirring the stew. Or when you are eating the fish you fried before you use it for the stew. God can talk to us in all these simple and general ways. This woman was just doing a normal job going to fetch water when she encountered Jesus. And so we must stay tuned in to the Spirit of God. When she got there, she started to sound very religious. You know, are you better than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank here and did this? Then after that, she said that, uh, so should we worship God in this mountain or over there? And she was dodging the question. She was dodging her need. She was covering up her need. And most of us cover up our weak areas. We cover up the real us. We cover up the places that God's finger has to touch. And therefore, God is not able to heal us. We have a form of godliness. We come, we are used to, the beginning is opening prayer, shakala, ba 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 ba. The second is praise and worship, the third is offering, we look in our bag and we put something in. The fourth is the word, the fifth is announcement, the sixth is the grace, second offertory, offering, and then the grace, and then we go out. We become so used to the motions that the power of God does not reach us anymore. We become so used to church that the things of God, we become so complacent to the things of God. So this woman, she wasn't um, a daft person. She knew about a lot of religious things. She even knew that the Messiah would come. But then it had not penetrated her life. Many of us treat church as a social event, a place to meet friends, a place to come when you don't want to be depressed, a place to come when you want to hang out, a place to come so that you can write on your passport from Christian, church, lighthouse, you know. But we do not really have a personal encounter with God. The Bible says that some people have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Many times, God starts you with steps in your Christianity. You come to know him. Then he begins to reveal himself to you in various ways. He reveals himself to you through gifts of the Spirit. He reveals himself through through revelation knowledge. He reveals himself through through his word. So you should never stop growing. That initial step of being born again is not enough. That initial step of just being taught the scriptures and ministered to is not enough. Paul said at the time when you ought to be teachers, you have need that somebody teaches you. So we need to go deep. I don't think that I've arrived in the things of God. And I always ask God, God, it seems there's more you want to do. It seems there's more you want to show me. It seems I'm stagnating. I want to go forward. Because when we stand before the throne, they will not say, oh, compared to all the women in Lighthouse, you were at this level. God would say, how much did I invest in you? And how much did you give to the things of God? Amen. So we should not just have a form of godliness, but we should have a personal God of our own. Like Mrs. Fletcher's son, you know? It was a very beautiful song adapted to various situations in our lives. And she was saying that we need to have a personal encounter with God. Many times when I say that, it's my heart cry, and I wonder whether women really understand what it is to have a heart cry. I mean, a heart 
relationship with God. There are many times when the pressures of ministry get to me also. I also have my disappointing times, but I've never gone to his presence and come back the same. I've always found strength in God. Amen. Many times we come to church, we minister, we spend time with the sheep and all that. By the time the man is walking into the, through the door into the room, he is so tired. Are you now going to tell him that, hey, me too, today, this is the problem I had. This happened, and so minister to me now. No. He rather wants a shoulder to lean on. He wants a place where he can find comfort. And you have to be that strength. Amen. So it is not just, you know, being the bishop's wife. But it is finding your strength to stand where God has called you to. There are many things that come up. There are times when your husband will go to start a church and the attacks of a devil on your life are so many. Your children may fall sick. This may happen. That may happen. And all that. You need to know how to spend time on your knees till you get an answer from heaven. So this woman had a form of godliness, but the power of God had not touched her. And I want you to allow God to touch you. Have your quiet time. Amen. Listen to tapes. Make time for the things of God. They are important. When we say that, we don't say just for the church to grow, but just so that you will find fulfillment in this life. Because you cannot find fulfillment in anything else. Amen. You will have children. As my husband, my mother says, children are guests. They will soon check out of your house and be leading lives of their own. So you cannot build your life around them. You know, I often pray for my daughter that the right man will marry her because I feel that women have too many struggles to come and add some foolish man to it. But as for the boys, the Lord be with them. Whatever they choose, we will flow. And we believe God for the best. Amen. But you cannot build your life around things and around situations, but you can build your life in Christ. May you not be like the woman of the world who just had a form of godliness, but she had not had an encounter with Jesus. Amen. Amen. But Jesus looked beyond her outward appearance. Sometimes we, behind the mascara and the lipstick ah, and the fashion fair foundation and all, we have a pain and we have a need. Jesus looked beyond her outward appearance. And Jesus will look beyond your outward, your smiles and your all. He sees within. The Bible says we have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are. When nobody understands, he understands. When everybody judges you wrongly, he understands. Amen. And he will look beyond your outer because the woman was very forward. You know, are you better than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it, he and his own cattle? So where should we worship? You know, all sorts of things. And many times, when people don't also want to be born again, they throw you off with all these unnecessary questions. But Jesus looked beyond the outward and reached the depths of her heart to change her life. Now, one thing, when Jesus spoke to the woman, he said to her that, go and call your husband. And the woman said, I, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you have well spoken because the one you are staying with is not your husband. And you've already had five of them. And then when she went to call the men from the city, she also said to them, come and see somebody who told me all that I ever knew. God has to confront issues in our lives before he can help us. Amen. 
And we think in the church world that we are supposed to be perfect. So the areas where we should have a testimony, we hide it. We feel that testimonies are healing, forgiveness, but not testimonies that we overcame last. We overcame a promiscuous life. We overcame going out to the married man. We don't want to mention those things. We want to mention the nice things. I overcame fear and forgiveness, love. They look nice in the sight of man, but in the sight of God, it's the same. Amen. And I wanted you to note that this woman, when she went back to the city, she went to the men. She went to familiar territory. Amen. And God saves you in your wounds and your trials. Peter says, so that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. Amen. Sometimes you are married for a long time before you had a child. It's time to minister to women in the same situation and tell them that it's going to be all right. And tell them that these are the steps you go through. This is the pain, but it's going to work out. Amen. That place of healing is your place of strength. That place of wounds. When it heals, the bone is stronger in that place. And you are able to comfort people with the comfort. Where with you yourself, you are comforted. Sometimes you have been in financial distress before. Sometimes a man has left you when you least expected it. It's time to rise up and tell people, these are the mistakes I made in my marriage. These are the mistakes I made in this area. You don't make that mistake. You rise up and be a better person. But we keep our testimonies to ourselves. And we don't go back to familiar territory so that others will not make the mistakes we made. Is it a healing that God healed you? It's time to go back to the wounded and the people who are not well. The familiar territory like the woman and minister to those needs that God has ministered to you. Amen. Is it in the area of marriage? Maybe you had a very terrible marriage or your heart was broken about something. You know, I often ask my mother, but you, why don't you tell me about your beloved? So you say nothing. You are just there. Tell me what happened. And she'll say, oh, you, pa, you know. But you must. You know, tell your daughter the heartaches and the things she went through so that she will learn from it. But like that area, you, you don't have to talk about it. But you have to go back to familiar territory so that that is where your testimony will count the most. Amen. Maybe you are somebody who changed cars. You came to church every time in different cars. You had a problem with fornication. When you are talking to the young people, tell them, look, it's not worth it. I've been there before. This and that and that. This is the way to overcome. This is the way to go about it. I believe that's why Paul said the older women should teach the younger women. But the older women have hidden their experience and are not teaching the younger women. Maybe you had a problem about walking in love. And during that time, God ministered to you so much. It's time to minister to other people so that they too will reach Jesus the way that God reached you. Amen. The Bible says that when the woman went into the city, she abandoned her water pot and went into the city. The water pot that she was telling Jesus, you say you will drink water, do you have anything to fetch with? And all that. Her self-help projects, the Ishmael's in her life, the things that she thought were bringing, quenching her thirst, they were just pacifying, but they were not satisfying. Amen. And so she left that when she met the Savior. And we should not come into the kingdom with clutter and baggage. Amen. We should leave the things that are behind that do not help us to run the race. 
the things that are our human efforts, we must leave all of them behind. Like Bishop was preaching on Tuesday, the Paul says that, therefore, setting aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And beloved, the woman brought a whole city to Jesus. She had ruined the life of six men, but her testimony at the end was greater than her testimony at the beginning. Jesus Christ will take up your messed up life and make something out of it. He invited her to come and drink of the living water. Many of us, when they say living water, it sounds like a metaphor or something from a literature book or a Shakespearean quote of some sort, but it is real. There's a, a certain level of anointing that can satisfy you that you will not look for other things. You will not look for appreciation from other people. When they don't give you, then it's like, oh, this woman had many hang-ups. But if you would drink of the living water, I don't mean being born again, but allowing God to minister to you beyond your strength, beyond your faith even. Because faith is something working, you working. You know, fight the good fight of faith. But allowing God to come in has nothing to do with you. All that you have to do is to permit him to come and quench your thirst this evening. I can tell you that if you are looking to quench your thirst through anything that this world has to offer, it will not satisfy. I have seen people in my ministry, I've stood with them, believing God that they will marry. And when they have married, I went to visit one of them a week. She said, ah! Sister is that marriage you didn't tell us the truth? I said, oh. But we tell you everything from the pulpit. We don't hide it. No, 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 no. You didn't tell me certain things. Look, me, I eat anything. Now I've come to my, look at my nails. Me, I always keep my nails well manicured and well polished. You didn't tell me all these things. In fact, I worry my dear. And she was in an office. All the people could hear her. You know, so I was saying, oh, please, keep your voice. I've told them already. I've told all of them. In fact, it's not a simple thing at all. Eh? And then now to when I'm sleeping, my sleep is not smooth. Somebody is waking me. You didn't tell me all these things. The person who had believed God so much to marry. Now she has married. She's seen that all things are not equal. Amen. But Jesus will quench your thirst. Then allow Jesus to quench your thirst in every area. And live a life of trust. Because he will surely bring us through. Stand to your feet, please. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.